out here, Moses was someone who was not educated. Moses was someone who stuttered. Moses who had a speech impediment. God told him, and he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. You know, there's a lot of people who run around tired today. And maybe the running around tired is because they're not into the presence of God. When you meet people all over, they're like, oh, I'm just, I'm so tired. I'm just running all over the place. I want to let you know, the pursuit of God's presence will give you rest. In the midst of all your storm, in the midst of all your trial, when his presence shows up, all of a sudden peace comes and there's rest that comes from his presence. The personal presence of God is not merely some force or influence that we seek, but it's a God that's in heaven that's trying to get personal with you. We're going to talk about God's presence today and the pursuit of God's presence, to pursue it relentlessly. You see, Moses, the servant of God, experienced the presence of God at the burning bush. That's when he first sees God's presence. And some of you in here had a burning bush experience in your life where God showed himself real to you. But what did you do with that presence after the burning bush? What did you do with that experience after that burning bush experience you had? You see, it, it wasn't the end of it. In other words, when Moses saw that, God says, I've called you to set captives free. And all of you that are sitting in here today, if you've received Jesus as your personal Savior, he's called you to set captives free. He didn't call you just to show up on a Sunday after Sunday and, and just do nothing the rest of the week. His presence is with you and goes before you. Why? To reach those that are lost. Because how many of you know that everywhere you look, people need Jesus? People in this community need Jesus. The politicians need Jesus. Our country needs Jesus. And who better to bring Jesus to them than you? And it, it don't matter about your education. I mean, God, God used anybody. You know who he uses? Those who get close to him. Close enough to hear his voice. Are you close enough to God to hear his voice? Do you hear him when he speaks? We must have a passion to lead people into that presence. See, when God's presence goes with us, it is meant to overflow on others. It's to go on others. And, and in, in um, Exodus 33, 15 and 16, it says, Moses it says, then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here, for how then Will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall separate your people and I from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. So here we go. Moses is saying, God, I don't want to go unless your presence goes with me. And there's some of you in here today that's facing situations in your life where you have left and the presence of God has stayed. I want to let you know, if you have left God's presence, he's where you left them. It's time to go back to that place and seek the presence of God again. Why? Because we should not go anywhere or do anything or make any move without the presence of God. It is vital that today we hear the voice of God in our lives. Why? Because God's presence can bring healing. God's presence can bring peace. God's presence can restore joy back in your life. 
You want strength, you need joy in your life. The Bible says where his presence is, there's fullness of joy. If you want strength, get back in his presence. Get back in his presence. The presence of God here, when you, when you look at the presence and you look at the, the Hebrew word, it basically means to turn his face towards you. When God turns his face towards you, his presence comes in. And all of a sudden, when his presence comes in, miracles begin to happen. Signs, wonders. But is God's face shining towards you today? Is his presence towards you? There's a difference between saying God is everywhere or God is here. See, because God is everywhere, but I want to let you know, God is not only everywhere, he is here. In other words, when I go to Walmart and people begin to talk to me, all of a sudden they feel a presence that's not a human presence. They feel something inside of them begin to rattle. Why? Because when God shows up, he's going to shake the very foundations of your being. <laughs> See, Psalms 34 and, and 18, it says, The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and save such as has a contrite spirit. If you have a broken heart today, the Lord's here to save you. It don't matter what, what broke your heart. Could be a relationship, could be anything. But the Lord is here to save you. You know, it's time we give up protocols for altar calls. It's time we give up programs for seeking the face of God. I have nothing against with programs. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, if all we try and do is programs and programs and we never seek the face of God, we're going to miss it. Because it's time we get back on our knees again. It's basic. Why did all the miracles happen back in those revivals? Is because people were on their face seeking the face of the Lord. They were praying. I wanted to make a sheet, I just didn't have time, of, of how many hours you have in the week and how much time you spend on yourself and how much time you truly spend serving God. And you'd be surprised how much time we spend on ourselves versus how much time we spend serving others by serving God. Serving God by serving people. Let me ask you a question. How many people have you served this week? Did you spend more hours serving people than serving yourself? Who is quiet in here? It's time we get back to doing what God's called us to do. Why? Because he's prepared you for such a time as this. He prepared you for such a time as this. Why? Because there's people who need you. There's people. I am only one person. Pastor Scott's only one person. Pastor Allen's only one person. Michelle, John, they're only one person. They can only reach those that they're in contact with at one time. But imagine if this congregation right here, this nice group of people, all of a sudden got a hold of the presence of God and took off out this church with his presence and walked into this community with his presence. Can you imagine the change that there would be in this community? You would flip this place upside down. But you know how you can tell people are more interested in themselves than in serving God? Call a prayer meeting and watch how many people show up. Call a crawfish ball and watch how many people show up. And that'll let you know 
what people truly are interested in. Self-explanatory. But you know, the thing we need to do is get close in his presence. Seek him, pursue him relentlessly. You know, Moses' assistant, Joshua, he, he was the, the, the next one coming up. But why did God choose Joshua? Why did he choose him? You see, he, he learned something more than, than a battle strategy. He learned something more than how to manage a group of people. You know, he learned something more than just how to be a leader for Moses. And, and this is what I want to get at today. He goes, Moses, in the darkest hour of Israel, goes into the tent, goes into the tabernacle, and he goes into the holies of holies. He goes into the presence of God. And, and some of the things Moses went into the presence of God was for how to find battle strategies to defeat the enemy, how to handle the crazy people that he had to handle, how to deal with all those things. Moses would go into the holies of holies and talk to his friend. Do you ever go into the holies of holies and talk to God as a friend? See, even everyone all around in the tents, everyone had to face the tent towards the tabernacle. All the tribes faced the opening of the tent towards the tabernacle. Why? Because when the glory of God descended upon the tabernacle, everybody came outside the tent, got on their knees, and worshiped as long as the presence was there. See, that's what got Sodom in trouble, Sodom and Gomorrah, that's what got Lot in trouble, was when he faced his tent door towards Sodom. And he began to see all the stuff happening. Let me, this is a warning to somebody, this ain't even in my notes, but this is a warning to somebody here. Some of you have your tent door facing the world. And there's a pull on your life right now by Satan to take you back into the world, or you need to turn the door of your tent back to God again. The minute you begin to face something, that's the direction you're going to walk into. Because it wasn't long that, that Lot was just not on the outside of the gates. It wasn't long that he began to go in the gate and live inside of all that sin. And maybe Lot was okay, but he lost his wife. How many of you willing to lose your family for facing the wrong way? How many of you willing to lose your kids because your tent's facing the wrong way? You once knew the presence of God, and for some reason, you turned your tent around, and now it's facing the world again. And you think you can have God and have the world too. I'm here to let you know, God's presence won't stay with you if you think you can have the world. We have to turn from our sin and go in this presence. God is a, is a, is a gracious God. He's a loving God, but he's a just God. And one day he's going to judge sin. And if sin is in your life, I'm sorry to say you're not going to go to heaven. Why? Because God is just. He's coming to judge sin one day. And he's not going to say, oh, man, Neg, don't worry. It's okay. You, you can still make it. You're a good person. No, if sin's in your life, sin's in your life. He can't go back on his word. He goes to the presence of God in the tabernacle in the Ark of the Covenant, where the glory would come down. But in Exodus 33 and 11, I want to point out something here. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face 
as a man speaks to his friend. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for being my friend. I can go into the throne room boldly as a friend of God and say, God, I'm here on behalf of Pastor Island. I'm here on behalf of Pastor Scott. I'm here on behalf of my friends. I'm here on behalf of these people here. As a friend, I can go to God and say, God, you know friends influence friends. If Pastor Scott called me and said, hey, I have a, a job for you to do, and, and I want to know if you can do it, you know because I'm his friend, a true friend, his words influences what I do. It may be an inconvenience to me. It may be an inconvenience to other people. But because he's a friend, I'm going to stop what I'm doing, and I'm going to make time to help him out. How many of you want God to be that kind of friend to you? Where you can walk into his presence and say, hey, God, it's me again, and talk to him as a friend face to face. Wouldn't it be better for you to talk to God face to face than to have to have a, a mediator to go to God for you? Do you know that you can have that relationship with God? That you can have that relationship where you can enter into his presence and talk to him as a friend. Wow. Ain't that amazing? Thank you, Jesus. He made the way for that. He's, he, he's the one that did it. But here we see, <clears throat> as a man speaks to his friend, and he would return to the camp. Look at this. But Joshua, the son of Nun, I ain't going to go there, Pastor. And the young man, that's a, <laughs> a young man did not depart from the tabernacle. So here Joshua was laying down. Presence of God was all up in that place. And Moses has done his business. And he leaves. But the Bible says Joshua didn't want to leave the presence of God. When, when are we going to be that hungry again that when his presence shows up, that it don't matter what else is happening, we just don't want to leave that presence that we're feeling. We, we just don't want to escape this presence. And I believe God looked down, and he didn't look at any other qualification. He didn't say, well, well Joshua has his Bible degree of theology. Uh, well, you know, he's been under Moses for 15 years. He's been doing all, he has all these qualifications. No, no, no. God looked down and he says, this is going to be the next leader. And the qualification that makes him able to be the next leader is, he loves my presence more than anything else. When we love his presence more than anything else, it qualifies us to be used by God. Why? Because when we're in his presence, he can speak to us. I went to the schools two weeks ago, and I'm going again this week. Keep me in your prayers. And there's two young girls that were thinking of committing suicide. And as I was speaking, I stopped in the middle of speaking and said, there's two of you here that wants to commit suicide. How else would I know unless I'm close to his presence, to where he can speak to me? How else would I know? Are you that close to him where he can speak to you? Where in his presence is, there's peace, there's joy, there's wisdom, there's strength. But church, we have to get back to the presence of God. 
And when it was time for another leader to be chosen, God says, I want Joshua because he values my presence. He pursues me relentlessly. But he learned from Moses because Moses back at the beginning says, I'm not leaving unless your presence goes with me. Some of us in here have walked away from the presence of God and we don't live for him no more. We live for us. Pursuit of God in our worship brings the presence of God. Worship. So what brings God's presence in? Worship ushers the manifest presence of God. That's why worship is so important. It's not just singing a song. It's not just we're going to sing three songs and two fast ones and one slow. No, we come here and we worship him, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And all of a sudden, his manifest presence comes in. Why? Why? Because in John 4, 23, it says this, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. See, God is looking all over the earth for one thing. For one thing, Pastor, for one thing. In, in, in a whole church service, God only has one thing. He has true worship. Everything else is for us. You think God's looking down in heaven saying, man, that's a good message. Keep preaching. I'm receiving so much. God doesn't get anything from my preaching. He's the one who gives the revelation to give so you can receive. The only thing God gets is the worship. And he's searching all over the world, all over the world, and all of a sudden he comes to Christian Fellowship in LaRose, and he looks down, and somebody got his attention today. Because when I was sitting over there, all of a sudden I felt his presence come in. And somebody was worshiping in spirit and truth, and he decided to show up, manifest presence here. Why? Because when you worship him, he shows up. So this is not just something we do in church. When you go home and you come from a hard day or something's going on and you don't know what to do, begin to worship the Lord and watch his presence show up in your house. Problem is, some people got to get rid of the sin in their life before they can begin to worship God. They don't worship because there's sin. Not one amen. I hope y'all got your steel toe boots today. I might step on some toes. Psalms 105 and 4. I'm stepping on my own too. Don't worry, every time I step on y'all, I step on mine too. Psalms 105 and 4. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Continually. You know, I, I, one example is my daughter Crystal. It was four weeks ago, I think. I, I was coming out the room, and, and my son Jared, my spiritual son, found a van for her in New Orleans, and she was going to go buy it for $1,000 because she don't have a vehicle, and it's hard to get around. So I walked around, and I'm like, you going to buy a van in New Orleans for $1,000? I'm like, did you pray about that? And she kind of looked at me, kind of, I don't know if she rolled her eyes. She probably rolled her eyes, uh, you know, and I know how Crystal is. But, but then she's like, you know, so she went and prayed. And God told her, no, don't buy the van. So then a week later, she comes and says, 
hey, uh, dad, someone's given me a car. I said, what? She said, yeah, um, a, a friend of mine, someone's given them a vehicle, so she's going to give me her vehicle. It, you know, it's just good for around here, has 270,000 miles. I'm like, great. I said, you see, God had a free, I think I even made the comment, what if God has a vehicle for free for you, to give to you? Well, some, well, well, then the following week, she comes back and she says, oh, I'm not getting the car. I said, no. She says, no, I'm getting a van. So when it comes down to it, they told a story about she has a child and young mother. Well, they w went to Trap Chevrolet and buy a Toyota van and gave it to her. What I'm saying is, is we're missing all kind of stuff because we do stuff we feel like doing. When in all things, we should seek him and his presence first. Why? Because he has his best interest for you. You know, we, we have the best mediator in the world, and he's the less used. And he's free. It, you know, I, I, I never used a, a real lawyer. And, well, I did when we got the van. I, I think it's the first time I ever used a lawyer to do the, the, the work, paperwork for the van. But my lawyer, I've used every day. And he's the mediator that mediates for me, and his name's Jesus. Any issue I have, I go to Jesus. Whatever the situation is, I go to Jesus. Why? Because he has my best interest for me. <laughs> you see, this is the thing. His presence leaves when we disobey. Everybody wants the presence of God. Everybody wants God in their life. But when we disobey, he splits. When we disobey, he's out of here. See, God gave man and woman purpose. They're to be fruitful and multiply. That's what God told Adam and Eve to do. And what happens when they sin? When they sin, boom. We getting there. We getting there. Then what God did, he destroyed the earth with flood because of the sin. And then Genesis 9-1, I don't know if it's up there, I might have added it, who knows, but if it is, good, if not, y'all listen. Then God blessed Noah and his son, saying to them, be fruitful, increase in number, and fill the earth. Just to let you know, I'm halfway through my message. A hundred years later, in Genesis 11, it says this, in verse 1, now the horror had one language and one speech, and it came to pass that they journeyed from the east, that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and dwelt there. They said to one another, come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone, and they had asphalt for mortar, and they said, come, let us build ourselves a city, a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad, over the face of the earth. So 100 years later, approximately 30,000 people, they did one thing. They decided to disobey God. Instead of being fruitful and multiplying, scattering, they decided to come together and build a tower, a temple, a tower, a name for themselves. You know, that sounds like a lot of people they, they get a pulpit and they want to build a name for themselves. Ooh, did I say that? They get a building and they want to build a name for themselves. You, you don't believe me? And, and when I say these names, 
I'm not saying anything against them, but if we put on the front billboard, Stephen Furtick's going to be preaching, you wouldn't be able to fit the people in here. People have built a name. But I want to let you know something, and, and nothing against big ministries. I am not downing big ministries. But what I'm saying is, it's time that we begin to give the glory back to God. We're not building a name for ourselves. We're building a kingdom. We're, we're not trying to steal people. We're trying to add people. We're not in a subtraction business. We're in the multiplication business. And God's told you today to scatter and multiply. But yet, instead of scattering and multiplying, you stuck in a building, building a tower. Did you hear me sing that song? Oh, man, I can sing. Did you hear that drama team? Wow. And everybody's getting the pats on the back and taking the glory, and God's looking and saying, I wish they would worship me in spirit and truth so I can send my presence, so something can happen miraculously, so people can leave different and not leave the same. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built, and the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one, and they all have one language. And this is what they began to do. Now, nothing that they purpose to do will be withheld from them. Ain't that something? This is people disobeying God. But because they came together in unity, abortion's here. But because they came together in unity, prayer was taken out of school. But because they came together in unity, the Ten Commandments removed from the courthouse. Imagine if the kingdom of God came together in unity and began to worship him the way he should be worshipped. All of a sudden, we'd have prayer back in school. Abortion would be abolished. Prayer would be the focus of everything. Come, let us go down there and confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech so the Lord scattered them abroad. See, he was going to scatter them one way or the other. One way or the other, he was going to scatter them to do what he wanted them to do. The Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth, and they ceased from building a city. The word Babel means confusion. <clears throat> the devil looked at that whole situation, and the devil said, wow. If I can cause people to be confused with each other, if I can cause this church to not like that church, or this one to not like this one, all of a sudden the building's going to stop. All of a sudden his presence is going to be removed and everything is going to stop. And you know what's going to happen? People's going to leave this church mad and go to that church. And then they're going to leave that church mad and go to this church. And I don't mind the devil. This is the devil talking. He said, I don't mind people switching churches. He says, they're just not reaching new people. They can switch all the churches they want. I am actually happy because there's discord in all the churches, and I'm the one that brought it. But when somebody's going to stand up and say, it's time we unite for the kingdom, 
Not, not for one person, not for one pastor, not for one work, but for the work of the kingdom of God, all of a sudden there's going to be his presence that's going to go before us once again. And when his presence goes before us, that's why when we lay hands on people, they instantly healed. You know, someone yesterday had an issue with a neck and he couldn't turn his neck. And I'm like, man, let me pray for you. And I prayed for him and two minutes later he was swinging his neck all over. Why? Because his presence is with me wherever I go. And the Bible says I can lay hand on the sick and watch him recover. You know, that, that's why when, when my son broke his back against South Terrebonne and, and he couldn't bend down to take off his shoe, that's why he woke up the next morning completely healed. And we didn't know he broke his back till he got in a car accident and they did an x-ray. And the doctor says, man, his broken back healed well. And I'm like, whoa, wait, what? Why? Because his presence is not stuck in one building. The healing don't happen in this building. We are the temple. It happens through us. I'm almost there. I'm almost there. Having no hope and without God in the world, are you building a city for yourself? Or are you truly sold out to him? Because when you truly sold out to him, that means you're going to do whatever he's telling you to do. You know when you disobey God's word, he lifts his presence from you? When you don't follow what this word says, let's go to Samuel. I'm closing. I want you to know I'm closing. If there's anything we need to do, we need to get back into his presence again. Why? Because his presence gives you strategy for not only yourself, but your family, your grandchildren, the people you love, strangers you meet. It's in his presence. <laughs> we talking about Samuel here. Hannah, the one who brought Samuel to be dedicated before the Lord. This is about Eli. Eli was evil. We're going to get there in a second. See, Shiloh was chosen for the place of the tabernacle. In Judges 18 and 19, the priests were offering their service to the highest bidder. Pulpits of the land had watered down gospels. You know, I, I had a, a guy one time, Pastor Scott, that he says uh, he was an evangelist. I hope he's not. Well, it don't matter if he's watching. He, I'm not saying his name, so it's cool. But he said, uh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take you and I'm going to mentor you and I'm going to teach you how to do things. And I'm like, okay, cool. You know, I was young. And he says, you, you know, um, it's best that you go preach conferences. He says, preach all the conferences you can preach and try and stay away from the smaller churches. And I'm like, why? He says, man, you get the biggest money comes from conferences. And when he said that, I, I backed out. I said, you know, in my heart, I always told my wife, I said, I want to go to churches who can't afford revivals. And I want to go preach them for free. I want to go to places who can't afford to pay me because they need the word of God also in that community. They need to have a revival also in that community. And, and it reminded me of this right here. This just came to me when I read this here that, that they were offering the pulpits to the highest bidder. See, we need preachers who are not afraid to declare the truth. People are worried about numbers. We're worried about those that are sold out for God because you could do more with little 
that are sold out for God than with a room full of people who don't do nothing. You know, imagine the football stadium. It has 102,000 people in the stadium, but there's only 22 people doing something. Sounds like the church, huh? You have, have 102,000 people cheering. Yeah, 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 okay, let's do something. I'm going to take a shower. I got all sweaty cheering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're great fans, but when it's time to do something, you're looking around like, where are those people that were yelling? I'm all alone now. It's because they're not sold out. Eli was in it for the money. And then 1 Samuel 3 and 13, this was about Eli. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows, because his sons made themselves vile, and he did not restrain them. God's going to judge sin one day. And I pray to God that all of you are sin-free when he does, that all of you have turned from your wicked ways. No one's interested in being close to God. They were far from him. Three things about Eli. He overlooked sin. His eyesight was fallen. And it says also, and you could read this in 1 Samuel 3. I'm saying all this because I'm going through it quickly. He was lying in his usual place. See, we all have a comfortable place that we like to go to. And in that comfortable place, God can't bother us. He can't convict us. Because it's that usual place. But I'm here to let you know, God wants to get you out of that usual place. And, and you see, Samuel here was lying where the ark of God was. Where Joshua was lying and he didn't want to leave the presence, Samuel was lying by the ark of the covenant. And he heard a voice, Samuel. And he got up, took off running to Eli and said, hey, did you call me? He says, no, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. The second time, Samuel, he went back. Did you call me? No, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. The third time, you see, when you're close to God, you're going to hear his voice. The only thing is, this is the first time Samuel has ever heard his voice. He didn't recognize it yet. Third time, Eli had enough sense to say, wait, he's next to the Ark of the Covenant. Oh, next time you hear the voice, say, here I am, Lord. It's me. 1 Samuel 3 and 11. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do something in Israel which both ears of everyone who hears, it will tingle. <laughs> I'm here to let you know something. God's fixing to do something that every person's ear is going to begin to tingle. And, and some of that was, was judgment. But I want to let you know, when God's fire comes, it's going to be judgment for some, and it's going to be rejoicing for others. But I want to let you know, God is fixing to do something that is going to tingle your ears. See, this little boy spoke because he heard God, but he was close enough to hear God. His presence was all around him. You know, in, 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 in Scotland in the 1800s, there was a huge revival and it, they had so many revivals, and it broke out so bad that they called that place a thin place. And they, they said the reason they called it a thin place, because they said the oxygen was so different, was because heaven was always coming down and kissing earth, that they called it a thin place. God, I want my prayer 
home to be, I want my prayer closet and my home to be a thin place. That when I walk into it, you there and you kiss it. God, I want this church to be a thin place that when we walk into this place, the presence of God is so thick, it kisses us. Eliska, y'all can come back up. I want this place to be a thin place where heaven meets earth. But the problem is, I believe, is that we need to repent for living for ourselves instead of truly living for God. Because a lot of times when we leave this place, we have no thought of his presence, no thought of his word, and no thought of him. All we think about is doing our own thing. And God wants to, he, see, his plan is not to harm you. He has a good plan for your life. But the only thing, he just wants your life. You don't want anything else but your life in obedience. See, some of you in here would be great preachers, great street evangelists, great teachers, great nursery workers. You would be a great a lot of things, but you just don't want to give up some of the stuff you do and the little sin you got that you're holding on to. You can't have it both ways. You either sold out for God on your way to heaven, or you lukewarm and you're on your way to hell. God says he'd rather you hot or cold. This in the middle stuff, he doesn't want no more. He wants you sold out 100% for him. How come you think when we go out into the streets, people are attracted to us? They're not attracted to us. They're attracted to the presence that's inside of us. Why? Because they feel peace. They feel joy. They feel something that they've never felt before. When his presence comes, in his presence, there's fullness of joy. In his presence. I think today, Pastor Scott, Pastor Island, we're going to have an altar call. Some of you need to come up and really repent for what you've not done. Some of you just need to come up and bask in his presence once again. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I thank you, Father, for your word. I thank you for your people here today. If you're here today, and you never received the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. I'm not playing games either. I'm not playing games. If you mean business and you really want to receive Jesus, it's not just saying a prayer. It's allowing him to convert your heart. It's allowing him to change you from the inside out. That when you leave this place, you're not the same no more. If you want to receive Jesus, I want you to raise your hand. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I see all those hands. Thank you. Thank you. I want everybody to say this prayer with me. Say, Dear Jesus, I come to you today. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I believe you died and rose again on the third day 
for my sins. And Lord, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead acts that you fill me with today. In Jesus' name. These altars are open. We want to pray with you. Come. Come. His presence is here.